Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Hi. Good to see everybody here. It's been probably four years or so that my dad called me one day and he said, hey, you need a horse. And most of the time, if anybody ever asks you if you need a horse, say no. Okay, because if it was that good of a horse, they wouldn't be offering to give it to you. Right? Okay, there's, but it's my dad. And I said, I need, I need a big horse. Because at the time, all I had was Ace and Fiona, and Ace is like 7,000 years old. Moses rode him, and, and then Fiona was a little gray mare. And I said, I need a big horse, and he said, then come get your little sister's head horse. She's not riding it, and you know, it was kind of given to us, and we don't really want to sell it. It just needs to be used. Come get it. All right. So I went down there and get him. Sure enough, man, he's a big horse. And um, anyway, I got him and brought him back to uh, Colorado. And it was like literally like the next day when I got home, I had to go help uh, Robert out east of town. So I took my new horse, right? And this is my little sister's head horse. So I wasn't worried about him bucking or anything like that. But anyway, I got out there and he was my little sister's head horse. Okay, if you don't know what a head horse is, we're referencing team roping. Okay, so there's a header and a healer. He was my little sister's head horse, right? And so I never thought when I got on him that morning that I was missing a very viable piece of cowboy equipment. It's just one thing that I don't normally use, and that's what's called a tie down. Okay? When you get on a 15-year-old horse that has had a tie-down on him every day of his life that a saddle was on him, and you get on him for about nine and a half hours at Robert McLean's, we were nearly running off with his nose stuck straight up in the air. We couldn't do nothing. I couldn't see. He couldn't see the ground. I thought we was going to die. We finally made it through it. I didn't eat, listen, I was 23 years old when I found out what a tie down was even for. I thought it was just to hold the horse's head down so that the ropers could just, because I mean, you ever roped in the pasture? If you've never roped your horse's head, you haven't roped in the pasture very often, right? So, I mean, I thought it was just to hold the head down. And I, I was 23 years old before I figured out that, uh, that it was used for something different. Because team ropers have required equipment. Like, okay, horses that do events very quickly where they maneuver and everything, they use tie downs. You know, calf ropers, team ropers, bell racers, right? There's required equipment. If you're a team roper, man, and I know we got some in here, I'll poke fun at you, I don't care. You got your hooey hat, right? That's required to be a team roper. At some point in your life, you have to have a hooey hat right? If you're a barrel racer, you got to have a living quartered horse trailer. And to be either one, you have to have an attitude that it's somebody else's fault when you don't win. (laughs) Those are the three required equipment for it. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. 
Joking aside, the only time I ever, I've won two ropings in my life. One was a ranch roping up here, and the other one was a jackpot team roping the day my best friend got married, and I was on his team. So only jackpot team roping I ever won. So uh, there's something else that a lot of people have been around their entire lives that they just really don't know the use for. I mean, they, they know it's there, and they, they probably have it in their equipment arsenal, they think. They just don't really know what it's for, don't know how to use it. What do we do? What we're going to be talking about today is the works of the Holy Spirit in our lives. First off, the Holy Spirit, and I am not part of this woke culture, just so y'all know. All right, and I'm not going to apologize for it, for pronouns or whatever. I'm not that type of person. If you're politically correct and woke and want one of them churches, I'm sure that they're somewhere in town, okay? But out here, I'm just going to talk plain. He, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, is his own person. It is, I mean, just as real as Jesus was, the Holy Spirit is his own person person. It is separate than Jesus. It is separate from God while at the same time being a part of the Trinity. One God in three distinct persons. So the Holy Spirit is an actual thing, okay? Second is that Jesus said, it will be better when I am gone because then God can send the counselor, the Holy Spirit to us. Now, why did he say that? What would be better than having Jesus around, right? Well, think about this. Jesus, while being God, he was also a man. He couldn't be everywhere at once within the limitations of becoming human, right? He couldn't, he couldn't be everywhere for everybody to answer everybody's question, to guide every single person every single day because he was a single man on earth. When he left, God sent the power that Jesus had to heal people, to give them guidance. Everything that Jesus did came from God. Well, Jesus gave it to everybody, okay? So the Holy Spirit comes into our lives at, sal at the time of salvation and lives inside of us. I mean, the indwelling of the power of God is available to each and every person. And I know that all of us are like, that's great. What do we do with that, right? I mean, how do we use that? First, the Holy Spirit is an actual person apart from part of the Trinity, but also its own. Second, Jesus had to leave so that the Holy Spirit can live inside each and every believer. Third, his job is to remind us of what God said. Have you ever wondered how the, and, and one of the big deals about the Bible is, well, it was written by man. It was written by man under the guidance of the Holy Spirit because Scripture says that one of the Holy Spirit's primary jobs is to remind us of what God says. You, you know, like sometimes you're going around and somebody says something and they're like, well, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, something in the Bible comes to mind, and you're like, in the Bible, it says this. That's the Holy Spirit helping you. It reminds us of what God's Word says. And fourth, and this is not, this isn't the only four things, okay? We don't have time. 
the, the Bible couldn't contain all the stuff the Holy Spirit does, right? But fourth, uh, we talked about that he's part of the Trinity, but separate as well. He lives inside all of us. One of his jobs is to remind us of what God has said. But the fourth thing that the Holy Spirit does is he shows us what's right and wrong in our lives, okay? He shows us what's wrong, right and wrong in our lives. Because, you know, you, you, maybe you're one of these that has started kind of coming to save the cowboy, or maybe you're watching, this is maybe your second or third time, and you're like, man, I'm kind of starting to understand this now. And then all of a sudden you do something, you're like, I don't know that this is what God would want me to do. If you're a believer, you know what that voice sounds like. That was the Holy Spirit. And anytime when you're like, man, should I do this? And you're like, yeah, this would be the right thing to do. Even though it's going to be hard, even though it's going to be difficult, I know that this is the right thing to do. That is the Holy Spirit working in your life. Last week, I didn't, I didn't get to stick around and talk to many people, but some of the emails and messages that I got, in addition to asking how my back was, was one little part of the sermon that talked about don't confuse the results of Christianity with those being requirements for Christianity, okay? Don't confuse results with requirements. Because I can tell you that it, a result of being a cowboy, everybody, all the men on that front row can ride a horse, they can swing a rope, they can gather cattle, they can do all of the things that a cowboy does, but those are the results of the things that they have done being a cowboy. They're not requirements. You don't have to be able to rope to be a cowboy. I spent the first 22 years of my life not being able to rope. Well, I made up a lot in that year, though. I caught on fast at 23. Just, you know, six months, man, I was not really, I'm joking. Don't confuse the requirement. Don't, don't, religion makes the results of Christianity the requirements of Christianity. What we're going to talk about today is found in Galatians 5. Everybody needs to go read Galatians 5. That is your homework. It's great. And when it starts off in Galatians 5, Paul is teaching about the Holy Spirit. He's teaching the Galatians. Now, in the very beginning of Galatians, Paul starts out, he's giving them the what for. The book of Galatians is a letter written to the people in, thank you, Jay gets, that's why he's my pastor, right? He knows that Galatia is who Paul was talking to in Galatians. Okay, <laughs> yay. All right, now that we're clear on that, that didn't go off nearly like I thought it would. Um, but what he does is, it's a come to Jesus meeting. In the very first chapter, he's like, hey man, y'all ain't doing this right. Y'all aren't doing this right. Man, y'all bickering and being divided and this and this and this. And then in chapter five, he gets into the Holy Spirit. And, and he starts talking about like the differences in the way they're doing it and the way that they should do it, okay? Galatians 5 starts with Paul getting onto them about having a church that depended on works for salvation. And what they were doing is they were like, look at me, I'm saved because I did this. You didn't do any of that, so you're not saved. Making the results requirements, right? Instead of just being the results. 
about having a church that depended on the works of their flesh for salvation. And then he talks about being a, a church that lives in the spirit, trusting in Christ and Christ alone for their salvation instead of works. What he's talking about is, man, y'all got religion. Y'all got a bad case of religion running around. Man, you're making the results of Christianity be the requirements for Christianity. You think you're better because you do this than that person over there because they didn't do that. Blah, blah, blah. So he's in there talking. And then towards the end, Paul talks about nine results of what a Christian's life should look like. Results of Christianity, not requirements for Christianity. So the, I need you to remember two things from here on out. Two things. Number one, don't confuse results of a walk with Christ with requirements to walk of a walk with Christ, to walk with Christ, okay? That's the first thing. Requirements versus results. Results versus requirements. The second thing I want you to understand is going to be a little bit more difficult because we've all probably heard in passing what's listed as the fruit of the Spirit. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay? Now, when you read in context, okay, when you read in context, I'm saying all this for a reason, it's going to come together, is that Paul is talking about how the church at Galatia, on one hand, you got the people that are religious and they're thinking that they're better than other people and blah, 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 and this is the way it should be. Then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Listen, the list of nine results of the Holy Spirit inside us all refer to how we handle ourselves, right? Love joy, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It is how we handle ourselves. Here's the important part. Not in peaceful isolation, but when among God's people doing God's work. Okay? I'm not, because all of us can love when we're sitting at the house watching Netflix and nothing's going wrong, right? All of us can be peaceful when there's not a disagreement. All of us can be patient when we're not sitting there waiting on something, right? All of these fruit of the Spirit, the results of walking with Christ, of listening to the Holy Spirit, all of these have to do with when you're around people, not in isolation. You have to remember that, okay? So let's get to it. The first one Paul lists is love. And I'm going to open these each up with a question to keep you on track that this is not how you act in peaceful isolation. This is how you act when you are serving, when you're at church, when you're at Walmart, when you're around people, okay? That's, that's the key thing. Love. Do you put as much love into others as you do for yourself? Do you spend as much time thinking about others as you do about yourself? Because that's what God wants. God wants us to keep others in mind. It's what Jesus, who was the, who was all authority on heaven and earth was given unto Jesus. And he came and he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Do you put as much effort into loving others as you do 
or maybe taking care of others as you do taking care of yourself. See, once we were curved inward in self-preoccupation, and I won't lie, I fall into that trap every single day of self-preoccupation, right? But now, but now, we straighten our backs, lift our heads, and begin to forget ourselves in the interest of others. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. I didn't make that up. Once curved in inward self-preoccupation, we now straighten our backs, lift our heads, and begin to forget ourselves in the interest of others. We also find our hearts being knit together with the people that we once would have disregarded, judged, or even despised. I mean, like I hang out, when, once I started following Christ, I hung out with people that I would have never associated with at all. Even being in cowboy ministry, a lot, one of the things, or maybe most misunderstood things about Save the Cowboy is when somebody new comes, they usually always say something like, but I'm not a cowboy. We don't care. <laughs> we want you to be who God made you to be. Now, we're going to preach in this manner because it's the life that we live right? It's the, it's the illustrations that we do. I think it's a great illustration of cowboy and in Christianity, right? But we don't care if you're a cowboy. I've hung out with people since coming to know Christ that I would have never associated with. I mean, beforehand, if you wanted to be a friend of mine, you better ride rank Bronx and drink rank whiskey, right? I mean, that, and, and, and be ready to party hard. That, that, that was my life before Christ, right? But now, man, I've got good friends that, man, what we have in common is more than hats and drinks and activities. What I have now with people is a camaraderie with Christ with them. Who cares what they do, what they, what they have done or haven't done? Love. Do you put as much into others as you put into yourself? Can you patiently bear with people we find vexing? I'm still working on that. I'm sure, thank you. Vexing, right? Yeah. I had some other words, but I chose vexing. Thanks. I'm not, you look it up. <laughs> Get Willie to look it up. He's good at that. It's vexing. And, and that's found in Ephesians 4 too. I mean, when you love others, these things start happening. They are the result of listening to the Holy Spirit. Okay? It is the result of listening to the Holy Spirit. How about joy? See, when you think of joy in the Christian, well, am I joyful? Well, yeah, I think most of the time I'm joyful. No, you're not. Probably not. <laughs> you're like the rest of us. We got 100 things to complain about, blah, 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 right? But let me ask you this. When thinking about joy, remember the two things I ask you to do, results versus requirements, and to understand that this is about how we act in the presence of others, okay? Do you enjoy do you find joy seeing Christ in other people I absolutely love it especially when I see somebody that came from a background like mine into what they are now oh my gosh it's amazing being around being around other Christians wasn't a part of joy Paul said it was his joy go read it every time he says my I hope to renew my joy when I come to y'all and see your faithfulness, right? This was Paul. He was telling us the whole time how to do it, and we were looking at ourselves. But do you like to see God in others? So I got to do something that was on my bucket list 
last night. Thanks to uh, Blake and Tina Farr and my buddy Willie, I got to go watch the Dallas Cowboys play the Denver Broncos last night. My two favorite teams, I, one of them won. One of them won. The, uh, yeah, and, and I was rooting for the Broncos at the end because if you're going to lead 17 to nothing into four, you should have a shutout, Broncos. And I was, I was rooting for the Broncos at that point because I wanted, I wanted them to get the shutout. Even though that was on my bucket list, you want to hear what I found the most joyful out of the entire night? Was listening to Willie talk about dads of Elbert County. They started a nonprofit, Willie did, and some friends of his, started a nonprofit where they take their sons and daughters and they do basically community service work in the community. They teach their kids how to serve. And it's not a religious deal. It's, it's for everybody. He told me about, about this guy that had tears coming down his face because a couple of the uh, dads and sons went and built him a handicap ramp at his house. I found so much joy in listening to the work that God is doing through Willie and his boys and everybody else associated with that. It was the highlight of the night. Not the Cowboys, not the Broncos. It was listening to the way God is working in other people's lives. Can you find that joy in somebody else? When we walk by the Spirit, the maturity of God's people completes our joy. In other words, seeing somebody grow in Christ fills us with a happiness that wasn't there before. I have watched it with Ty. I've watched it with him grow and his son and Kathy and Mitch and Blake. And I mean, like most of y'all that I know, I love what I do because I get to watch y'all grow and I get to grow along with y'all. Man, that is the joy that the Holy Spirit wants for our lives. It's not some, well, I like to watch Netflix. No, that's not the joy. Celebrating others. Celebrating others is what God wants for us. To walk with others, to celebrate in their successes. We rejoice when we see humility triumph over pride. That brings us joy when we see humility triumph over pride. We are joyful. When uh, lust gets thrown to the side and real love takes its place. We are joyful when the timid speak the gospel with boldness. Man, I have been present for a lot of people's firsts. First sermons, first Bible studies, uh, First time Mitch preached, first time Ty preached. I, I've, I've been there for a lot of firsts. And when timid, when, when those that are scared, and you know that they're scared, and if you don't think it's scary, come up here and tell somebody what God says. Right? It's a different animal when you're standing up here. But listening to the timid speak about the boldness of Christ fills me with something that I can't explain. And finally, not just for time's sake, the last one on love is when fathers lead their families to follow the Lord. <laughs> yesterday, was, yesterday was a trying day for somebody very close to me. My wife went and did a mud run yesterday in Colorado Springs. Very, very proud of her. We started out the day by having to jump the motorhome off. 
It had started the day before. <laughs> Famous last words of a cowboy, right? Well, it started yesterday. Should start every day then. So it started out the day yesterday with, with jumping it off, and it was so dead it took us like 20 minutes to get it jumped off. But we finally got it jumped off, and I kissed my bride goodbye, and I sent her down the road. And I wasn't going to do no mud run. I support her from Kiowa. Somebody needs to. Little did I know I was going to get a call about 4 o'clock that said, you want to go to the Cowboys game? So anyway, but it started off as that. Then she gets, you know, she drives all the way to Colorado Springs, thinks, well, I better get gas. Shuts it off at the gas station and it won't start again. So people come and they try to jump it off. And to make a long story short, she had to send two of her friends to the auto parts store to get a new battery. That's okay. Right? That's okay. Well, they went and did their mud run. We borrowed a generator from Blake and Tina that took us to the Cowboys or took me to the Cowboys game and so that they could run the air conditioner without being plugged in and all of this other stuff, right? I'm driving down I-25, going to the Cowboys game, bucket list game, and my wife calls and says, we've been working for two hours. We can't get the slide to come back in. Do I turn around? I turn around and go and I said do you want me to come she goes no Tyler's on his way that's her nephew Tyler's on his way he's gonna he's gonna help me get it great Tyler's a firefighter he can cut them out maybe he can cut them in I don't know right he's good with his hands right he's a professional first responder love you Tyler at 11 30 last night I called my wife when I dropped Willie off from the game Thinking she's going to be at home, she's still sitting there at 11.30 that night. And you come back next week and I will tell you <laughs> what happened. 